That was colored pencils. Welcome to another episode. I'll stop. Um, of Anna McGarry Knows Everything, a show, an ASMR experience where I rustle colored pencils together for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I need to put the pencils down. I'm out of control. I'm very distracted when they're here. <laughs> a show where I'm Anna McGarry. We talk about art. I have fun guests like the incomparable Claire Kendrick. We went to collage together. We knew each other a pinch uh, from a competition we both did pre-collage. And this one's really good, you guys. It's a good one. We start off talking about um, growing up competing, that convention life, our differing views on master classes. I hated them because I was very insecure. Claire had a lot of fun, you know. Um, Claire's early dance origins, her burgeoning hip-hop career that fell apart one day. <laughs> we, I, there's a lot of self-call-outs, a lot about imposter syndrome, us working through that, our insecurities. Uh, Claire talks about a serious injury she went through that took her out of dance for like six months and coming out the other side of that. I know that's a thing a ton of people have gone through, so... We're here for that. Um, We talk about trusting yourself, changing plans. Claire has decided to go to med school and she's gonna do that post finishing this freaking BFA in dance. And that's so exciting. We talk a ton about it. Um, Honestly, she's just our little inspirational queen. I sat down to edit this and I sometimes I skip through, you know, because I don't have all the time in the world. Um, but I truly just sat down and I listened to everything and I thought, wow, Claire is amazing. I really like this conversation. I love speaking with her. She's so intelligent and passionate. And I think there's, there's just a lot there. If you need some motivation, this is the one you guys, you guys, this is the one. (laughs) I've set the bar so high. Um, yeah, this is great. We love Claire, our inspirational queen. We grow as dancers and people throughout our lives, and we talk about it, but also, I think, throughout the podcast. <laughs> I need to stop. Um, jingle jangle! Hey. Hello! Oh, you caught me right in the middle of a, of a baby carrot. And that's on me. Well, I have four more in front of me, so you're in luck. Fab. I can't wait. It's like, wait, what is it called? Like the ESMR or whatever that's Mm. like. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, So, where are you from, Claire? I'm from Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. Oh. Oh my god. I forgot that I knew you before college. Vaguely. Yeah. Yes. I, I literally, because I was thinking last night about, like, your questions, uh-huh. and I was like, oh my god. I met Anna McGarry for the very first time at the Dance Masters of America <laughs> National 
I forgot that happened. I just remembered. I was like, wait, I know her. That fully happened. That fully happened. And Danny Benini was my little escort in the, you know, awards, I don't know what they call it, awards procession. (laughs) Whatever. Oh, gosh, that was a good time. That was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So, all things considered, you know, I'm not going to ask you how you are. What's new? What's up? What's new? What's up? Yeah. Oh, honestly, nothing much. I mean, I think I'm finally in the last, like, final hours and days of 2020, like, actually slowing down and actually, like, accepting that and enjoying that. And so that's been really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, been reading a lot. Nice. Just, like, laying around, which is, like, so not what I do, but it's been a good time. Also trying to watch a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah I watched um, Pride and Prejudice yesterday, Ugh, and also fuck. like an hour of Mark Morris dances, like four Mark Morris pieces, <gasps> all featuring Brishnikov, and it was amazing. Life changing. Yeah, and Life I was like, changing. I need to watch more stuff because I like it. <laughs> mm, whenever I'm feeling angsty, I always just watch like some good Grant pieces, <laughs> or I watch the full because it's on YouTube. Mm. I mean, oh. if you're feeling angsty, Martha's got your beat, you know? Oh, oh, girl. You know, <laughs> I just wake up and I fully do the exercise on six because <laughs> why not? Why not? Sometimes you need the pelvis to speak. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> so, so we met it. each other pre-college. Well, I was already yeah. in college, I think. That was my, yeah. I think I'd finished my freshman year. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, and we met at Dance Masters of America Nationals, New Orleans. What's up? Um, because hey. you were competing and I was just kind of there. Um, <laughs> and it was like, oh, she's going to be at Marymount. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and then you were at Marymount. <laughs> Was she? I think so, but I, I mean, she was much younger than us, so she, like, college wasn't on the radar yet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, before that, what's the origin story? When did you start dance? Are you big into any other arts other than dance? Hmm. Well... I would say, I mean, my origin story with dance is, is kind of funny. I started dancing simply because, and obvious, it honestly has a huge part to do with my personality, but my older sister danced, and I just wanted to dance too, but I wasn't yet potty trained because I was like two, uh-huh. or a little younger than two. And so my mom, thinking that she would like outsmart me, was like, okay, like you can take dance as soon as you potty train. Uh-huh. And I literally, like, she said within a few days, like, had potty trained myself and was like, sign me up. And so she convinced the, uh, like, director of the studio that we were at um, to, like, let me take the class that I was, like, technically too young for. And that's kind of how I started. And and then I danced, 
all throughout, you know, elementary school, and then around, like, third grade, I kind of got into sports Mm -hmm. really big. I did, like, a lot of soccer and basketball, and for anyone that knows me will think this is hysterical, but that's also the time that I decided that I wanted to be a hip-hop dancer on the side. Oh, on the side of what? Yes. So On the side of your regular dancing, or on the side of, like, your basketball? So I obviously had a thriving soccer and basketball career. Clearly. I was on, you know, I went to a small Catholic school growing up, and there was the A team and the B team. I was on the B team. Um, <laughs> okay. But we'll talk about that. But I thought that I was going to be something in mm-hmm. the soccer basketball world, um, as one young dreamer does. And... <laughs> On the side, I was, like, you know, still dancing at the studio, but I was, like, you know what, I'm done with ballet and jazz and, like, all that stuff. Like, I am a Mm hip-hopper. That is who I am. And so I can, (laughs) I try to convince my mother to just let me take hip-hop. I was, like, I'm over this. Just Mm hip-hop. And she was, like, ooh, no. She was, like, you can only take hip-hop if you also take ballet. I think she knew something that I didn't, that mm-hmm. maybe the hip-hop career wasn't going to work out for me. So, so I ended up sticking with ballet um, kind of begrudgingly and did hip-hop. Oh, and I even did hip-hop privates. Like, it was a thing. What were your it hip-hop was... privates like? What did you do? I am fascinated um, by, like young dance studio hip-hop because it's honestly egregious yeah it's it a disgrace young studio, it young <laughs> dance studio hip-hop to where like i feel like i am just bringing shame to the name of hip-hop by even saying that i was doing hip-hop because it wasn't that it was like a mix between like jazzercise and like um some coffee grinders. I you there. stole the words out of my mouth. I was literally going to say, were there coffee grinders? <laughs> yes or yes. Yes and how many, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. And like still to this day, my party move that I pull out like the trick of the trade for me is the worm. And I credit that <laughs> to my weekly hip hop private lessons that I had with Miss Jamie. And still to this day, I impress the crowd with how good my worm is. It's really good. I wish I could show you. I, I'll have to send you a video. My worm got elevated a few years ago. Um, someone really <laughs> broke it down for me. And I'm like, I don't know last time I did it, but I was I got pretty good. <laughs> They're honestly the best. I feel like I'm flying. They're so fun. Wow. I remember so that that. as a child, coffee grinders being the move. Um, oh, and then I, I elevated it one step further, changing the direction I was facing whilst doing the coffee grinders. Oh, Similar no. experience? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> um, change it. It's like, you know, you know, when like, um, you finally get to that point where it's like, you're allowed to do your like turns in second or like your fuentes, like changing spot, mm-hmm. like changing direction. It was like that, but better with the coffee grinder. Yes. Cause it's all power. <laughs> It's all power and heart. Like, literally. And I was also very fond of, like, the butt spin into a pose. (laughs) At my dance studio, we had to audition for solos with, like, a little thing we choreographed. So I was eight, 
I think. And I was like, I got this. Let me choreograph a little number. So I picked an Allie and AJ song, naturally. Um, and the only oh. thing I remember is that there was an extensive butt spin series. <laughs> I think I was spinning. Oh. I was holding my little legs. And then I straightened them into a little pike. And I was like, this is dance, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is art. And I was right. <laughs> you were right. You were right. I think the butt spins need to make a comeback. Because I find them quite impressive. That's not a core strength. Listen, some people can really keep going. I know. Right? It's honestly impressive. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you were deep into the hip hop privates. Oh yeah. What 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 happened? What changed? So unfortunately, but fortunately, my family moved to Birmingham. I was originally from Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, and we moved to Birmingham, and we moved kind of at the beginning of August. So all of like the sports teams had already done their tryouts or whatever, and so. Gosh darn, I couldn't try out for any sports, and dance was the only thing left that I could sign up for. Um, And so we found a studio um, in Birmingham, and I just started taking class, and I just fell completely, like, head over heels in love with it. I started taking everything, every style, um, and then from there, like, it just kept going. I got really serious about dance and, like, seventh and eighth grade and um even more so obviously in high school and then ultimately pursued it in college and that was kind of my path with it all nice so when you say everything do you mean like the classic studio ballet tap jazz little contemporary little point oh yeah with some acro with some (laughs) jazz funk with some hip-hop with some production numbers with company class I did the whole nine yards (laughs) so you also competed right I did so I started off um when we originally moved to Birmingham I had also missed their company auditions but also I really didn't know much about the competition world my older sister had done like company dance back in the day like a few times with our studio in Memphis but I mean I just was never really interested or kind of never really was involved with that side of dance and when I was in Birmingham I was just dancing recreationally just kind of taking their classes and the teachers there just kind of saw something in me and encouraged me to audition for their you know competition company teams and I did that and from there I just fell in love with it I didn't really like the I don't know if you remember those like one day competitions that was like triple platinum star (laughs) thing um I was really more that I was really in love with and fascinated by like the master classes and like the huge rooms of people dancing and learning and that's kind of what hooked me ultimately um into competition dance and in high school, I started assisting with different conventions, and that kind of carried me through my high school days, and yeah, so I got pretty deep into it, for sure. Nice. I wish I could say I also appreciated how amazing conventions were, but I really didn't, because, um, <laughs> like, all the... I grew up doing Dance Masters of Ohio, Ohio Dance Masters. They changed it in the middle of my time there, and I don't know why. It's Ohio Dance Masters. Oh. No. Yes, it is Ohio. 
Okay, this isn't interesting to anybody. It's uh, I was first now. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter sixteen, baby. Um, Chapter thirty-three over here. Hey. <laughs> um. Yeah, we'd have like solos on a Friday. Um, like all the pageants or group numbers, depending on like what competition it was on the Saturday, and then classes on Sunday. Goodness gracious, if I wasn't begging to not go to those classes, I so <laughs> didn't want to be there. I was tired. tired because it was like four hours, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I just danced so much for three days. I just don't want to be here. And I don't, I don't know what that says about me. Um, I like class now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, I just loved it because I've just always been one of those kids that just, like, is just out there just going for it, even mm-hmm. if I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think I have to credit my almost hip-hop career in the sense of, like, I just would find myself just, like, doing the absolute most in every single class, even tap to where I still cannot tap to this day. And I've taken tap for probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still can't do a time step correctly. Um, or honestly, anything. I probably can't even shuffle on beat. Um, but I just loved it. I, I love learning. And I think I was just fascinated by just the whole kind of idea of it. Like these like, master or quote-unquote you know master teachers and learning and being with a bunch of people I didn't know but also a bunch of people I did know and kind of just getting to like go watch is how I kind of saw it and and I fell in love with it that way but I did cry the only convention I ever cried (laughs) at was you will laugh so you know I did think I was a hip-hopper for a small amount of time it stuck with me for quite a while but I let it go at this moment so I don't know if you know it's not around anymore but there was a convention called the polls I've heard of it yeah we did not go but I've heard of it for a little a little context it is like a completely like hip like actual true hip-hop convention Mm -hmm. right and so I signed myself up for this, right? And I go and I compete my very lyrical solo with Aww. a pink costume when all these people are out here doing like these like angsty contemporary or these like hard hitting like, you know, hip hop things. And I go into these convention classes thinking that I can hang and all I have to say is I couldn't. <laughs> I could not. And so I was I was sitting in there taking class with like tears rolling down my face because I was trying so hard <laughs> and I just couldn't. And so that's when the hip hop dream died for me uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. R.I.P. <laughs> the day hip hop died. <laughs> the day hip hop died in my heart was <laughs> the Pulse, Atlanta, Georgia, 2014, I think. Wow. See, I'm just realizing now, I haven't thought much about why I didn't like master classes, but I think so much of it had to be my own insecurity. Because, like, when you're at your studio, when you're with people you know, you have the same teachers, you generally know what you're getting into, but then strangers show up, and they're just throwing random stuff at you. And so that was very scary, because I, I was going to use the past tense, 
but I guess I still do this in the present. I'm working on it. I place, like, a lot of my self-worth on my ability to dance or, like, pick things up or, like, Mm. do the hard thing right away perfect. You know? And that really challenged that. And I didn't learn the correct lesson from it. (laughs) I was just like, I hate this. I don't want to be here. (laughs) I also, I had a... so interesting. Yeah, I had a particular grudge with all of the tap master classes because I, tap is not the, it doesn't come super easy for me. Um, I think it's hard and therefore I've never liked it, like, to do because it's hard and I don't like being bad at stuff. Um, <laughs> and the tap classes, it would be so crowded. I I didn't get tall till high school, so it wasn't, it wasn't helping me. Um so crowded they'd be up on a little stage but I couldn't see their feet and then they wouldn't use words to describe everything they would just do like a little eight count phrase and be like then you do it and I'm like buddy I heard the rhythm but I don't know what you did (laughs) and I just got so upset and so frustrated it was so hard for me I hated it that's so funny to hear that perspective because I feel like I came from like the complete opposite like I was clueless Anna like I had no idea like I just kind of got thrown into it without knowing really anything and I you know I wouldn't say that I and maybe it's my conditioning now um as I've gotten older because I definitely felt that insecurity and that pressure um, and that perfectionism for me flare up more um, around like, you know, 14, 15. But mm-hmm. when I first started competing, like, I was just like out there. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I could not pick up choreography to save my life. And I was like up there in the front causing a scene. <laughs> I was a hot mess. You know, but I like loved it. And I think like I just was so clueless, um, you know, and so naive to it all. And, you know, luckily that that kind of helped me, um, at least for a while, uh, have a lot of joy with just being there and with learning. And I think I've kind of always had that personality. But then I agree. Like once I got into, especially later in high school, I just was more so kind of consumed with perfectionism and, you know, expectation and pressure. And, you know, once you kind of assert yourself on this kind of perceived level you feel like you have to you know keep meeting it every time and Mm -hmm. you know it's you kind of and that's my one kind of riff with the competition world is that it's very much based off of kind of like product and very much based off of like you know proving yourself almost yeah um whereas I feel like there's much more freedom um and, and kind of the process, which is so cliche, but I think it's so true that it's, you know, it doesn't matter. The scholarships, the trophies, those are all temporary. Those mean nothing. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a sustainable symbol for up-and-coming young people and artists. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always been, like, super hypercritical of myself that's like my thing um (laughs) that's part of just like in my nature and I think it maybe amped up a little bit when I did start like winning uh dance competitions because like I did have a lot of success in like 
the Dance Masters of America circuit, um, starting at, like, 14, I think. Well, I think at, like, 13, I got first runner-up to Teen Miss Dance of Ohio, and then, like, at 14, I won, and then got first runner-up at Nationals, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so then, once... I feel like I sound so annoying. Then once people know who you are, you feel just so observed and you're like, I have to meet this standard. I have to constantly prove to not only to myself, but to everyone around me. And something I also do is I decide what everyone else is constantly thinking about me and the standards Uh, that they have set for me. We haven't discussed it, but I'm like, if, if like Sheila doesn't see me do five turns over here, she's going to know. I'm a failure and a fraud. <laughs> mm, it's that imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, uh, like, so once true. you're Miss Dance of America, you're like, if I mess up even a little bit, everyone's going to hate me <laughs> and think yeah. I'm garbage. Yes. And I think, you know, and I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of dancers, artists, uh, people, especially that come from that kind of competition convention world, um, have experienced very similar feelings about that, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something I'm working through to this day with, you know, not attaching my worth to achievement and not also making these kind of assumptions about, you know, because I would say that a lot of people that go into dance are very internally driven because it's hard. It's it's mentally, physically, artistically super laborious. And so um, I think that naturally by personality type, a lot of dancers are perfectionist and, you know, type A and very self-critical. And, and I think dance I think trains you to do that as well. Oh, fully. Like, even if you're only a little bit like that, they're like, you'll never be perfect, but you always have to try to be. And we go, yes, thank you very much. And then live our lives like that, which isn't good. Right, (laughs) which isn't good. And and I think a lot of us internalize it and it it seeps in, you know, nothing kind of exists within a vacuum. And so it kind of seeps into your life, into who you are. Yeah. um, It can be healthy and it can be really unhealthy. And so... I think for me, it's something that I continue to kind of grapple with is that whole kind of imposter syndrome. And I think like almost like a mantra, but I did dance mentor my senior year kind of um, tell me this and it's kind of stuck with me ever since and helped me to kind of ground myself in those moments of being like, you know, kind of, it does sound egotistic in a way, but it's like, you do feel like once, you know, people know what you're capable of or what you can do, or you have some kind of name for yourself, or people know who you are, or choreographers know who you are, or whatever, um, that there's this expectation, and, and that people are watching, and that you can't, you can't screw up, and you can't, you know, mess up, or, or fall from the level that you're on, um, but she said this really wise thing that was, um, assume that everyone has the best of intentions, Hmm which I found really powerful because I think especially people who identify as very self-critical kind of project that onto other people thinking that they're thinking that too. Um, And they kind of like in a weird way, at least from my experience, like it's almost like I want people to be critical of me because I'm critical of me. So like in a weird way, like validates it. That's the only thing Um, that makes sense. The only thing that feels genuine if they're also critical. Yeah, right. Which is so problematic. And so, um, (laughs) You know, for four years now, I've, I've been kind of grappling and working on this mantra of like, okay, well, instead of assuming that everyone's being critical, why don't you assume everyone has the best?
best of intentions until you're proven wrong by that person, you know, until Mm -hmm. you have factual evidence from, you know, a conversation with that person or a comment or whatever it may be, assume that they have the best of intentions about and for you. Mm. See, I think something that has been stifling for me is assuming that everyone wants the best for me because I feel like people make unrealistic expectations of me and then even if I set a realistic expectation for myself and I'm okay with the end result I'm letting everyone else down you see what I'm saying yeah honestly you just hit it on the head that's that's been 2020 for me um has really been facing that fear and facing that you know there's a lot of people that um do want the best for me and have a picture of what that looks like yeah um and you do feel like you're letting them down when there's some part of you that wants something that looks different and that's yeah that's real that's real yeah and sometimes those are things I've invented that other people want for me and sometimes they are things I've been told and I'm like oh no (laughs) right right totally I mean like I think about you know, how I pursued dance in college, and, like, quite frankly, it's just because it made sense. Mm -hmm. Like, at age 18, you know, I was at the peak of my training and performing, and I had been assisting with these conventions for all these years, and it it just made sense. Everyone was like, Claire the dancer, um, she's gonna do this, and, you know, I had this dream of dancing in New York, and, you know, I didn't even really do any kind of deep thinking about it it just made sense and I think it is kind of these these narratives or these you know curations that we make for ourselves and we just kind of follow it blindly um and at times it's true to who we are and at times I think sometimes it's a little off Hmm. so it seems like from what you're saying correct me though um like at 18 college for dance like made sense for you at the time you're like this is it was true to who you were in that moment yeah Mm. Mm -hmm. and now you're going into medicine (laughs) yes so tell me about that Uh, (laughs) wow I mean honestly Anna it's one of those things where you know I feel like life is like a bunch of these like little threads that at different points in time kind of come together and for me the past kind of four years and particularly this past wild year of 2020 has been one of those like threading together moments for me Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think it all started honestly like my sophomore year you know my freshman year I was on like cloud nine I was leaving in New York I was dancing I was I had some connections outside of school and was performing outside of school and was doing the school thing and performing in school and you know just loving it and kind of living the dream and then the beginning of my sophomore year within like I don't even know six weeks of school starting I had my first like real injury you know Mm -hmm. I think all dancers have like aches and pains and you know little things but I broke my fifth metatarsal and damaged a ligament in my ankle in a rehearsal and was out like out out for you know a little over six months and that was Mm. the very first time I had ever stopped that I had ever not danced since I was like 10 um like I 
like seriously yes um and it was a crazy experience it was not what I expected in so many ways of course I was I think initially crushed because you know we are kind of like living out this narrative or this curation or this kind of path we've laid out for ourselves. And when there's a bump in the road as perfectionists, we're like, Whoa, 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 I didn't plan for that. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't work for me. But in this situation, like I had no control over that. And so I just kind of went with it and it was really heartbreaking at first and I think I went through like a mini identity crisis of like oh my gosh like at any moment like who am I without dance yeah who am I what who am I if this doesn't work out for me mm-hmm. you know not everyone is promised a professional career it's, it's very hard actually and is that something that I love enough to fight for and is that something I love enough to do every day of my life? And I kind of grappled with these questions. And on top of that, I um, had all this time on my hands because I wasn't able to dance or be in the studio. So I developed a social life, which I hadn't had because I you know, toured in high school and I homeschooled my senior year of high school so that I could tour more and this whole thing to where I, I kind of missed out on a lot of that. And so kind of getting to be a normal person in a way uh-huh. um, was really interesting. Um, and it was kind of the thing where, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's like everyone was like, oh, like dancers, like they can't, they wake up and like they can't live without dance. Like they can't live without <laughs> dance. If that's a dancer. And for me, I would wake up and like a little bit, uh, of course I was sad I couldn't dance, but it wasn't like life shattering. And I think for me, that was so powerful in the sense of I was like, huh, maybe I should reevaluate, you know, what I, what, what my relationship is to this and what this looks like for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, I'm constantly thinking of this Martha Graham quote, famously a very dramatic, intense woman. Um, As she should. Yeah. Um, this like student or dancer of hers came up to her and was like, Martha, do you think I have what it takes to be a dancer? Like, do you think I can make it? And Martha said, if you have to ask, then no. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) She's like, unless it's the only thing you ever want, the only thing that consumes you, you will not be a dancer. And you're like, okay, all right, calm down. (laughs) You're like, okay, so does that mean I have to walk out now? Yeah, and here's the thing. I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that's healthy to put 100% of yourself in anything, to put all of your identity and self-worth into anything. And so many dancers, we do that, and it's not good. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's honestly embedded in our training because, like, I think about even at, like, 10, 11, 12, like, you know, you go to school and then you go straight from school to the studio and then you're at studio until dinner time or later and then your hours just keep adding on, adding on, adding on, and it it does consume your life. And... Mm -hmm. You know, your, your non-dancer friends call you the dancer friend, you know, and it, it definitely becomes this huge part of who you are. And uh, I think that that can become really isolating. And I think you're so right. It's not healthy. And for me, I think that injury was the first time that I had to be still enough to listen and mm. to pay attention and 
to really hear myself for the first time, I think. And, um, you know, and then I, you know, I got better and I, I healed and whatever. And I did the next semester of school and it was great. And, you know, it was, I came back to dancing and it was hard because, you know, obviously I had to dance for six months and I felt behind and the perfectionism kicked in and all of that fun stuff. But, you know, at the same time, I was much more appreciative of it, but it did still feel different and I couldn't really figure out why, but I just kind of, you know, went with it. And then ironically, again, all these threads come together. I had met this guy over the summer that I then started seeing who had graduated from a dance program um, in New York and was with like, I don't even know, his fifth or sixth season with a well-known dance company in New York. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my time with him, I really got a really uncensored, close-up view of his personal and professional life. Uh And it gave me so much insight into kind of seeing like, what is it that you think that you want to do? And is that actually what you want to do? Or again, is it this like curated narrative that you're following that you think you should follow because it makes sense or because you just expect it of yourself or you think other people expect it of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found that really interesting. And then I'm trying to think. Yeah. So then junior year, I, well, I went into junior year and then I was taking, you know, we have to take anatomy for dancers at our school. And so I really fell in love with that. And I was casted in a work with Adam Barrick, who is, works very like method, like uh, very methods based and um, very calculated and mathematical and exact. And I kind of uh, resonated with him in ways of, oh, my brain really works in that way too. And I started having more awareness about wow, when I dance, I'm really thinking about my, like, body, which, Mm -hmm. like, obviously, um, but from, like, an anatomical sense, like, that's how it makes sense to me, and that's how I stay fascinated, and that's what kind of lights me on fire is what the body is doing, and how it's feeling, and and the stories that it's telling, and, and how that comes out differently in each and every body, and it was just so fascinating to me and then obviously the pandemic hit in our second semester of my junior year and that period coming back home was really where it all came together for me I fell back in love with dance by dancing in my dining room with an ironing board as a bar and (laughs) no mirror and a little zoom screen and the queen Nancy Lushington <laughs> doing the Mayo Donald warm-up screaming five six seven eight one two three four you know and um I fell in love with it again but like in a really genuine way and not that I didn't love it in a genuine way before but I think it was more forced mm-hmm. um but I genuinely fell in love with it and that's when I realized like oh do you know what like you love taking class, like, Claire, you love taking class, but you like performing, you don't love performing, you like it, but, like, you don't love it, Mm. and you really don't want to spend hours and hours upon hours in a studio, and you don't want to spend six months out of your year traveling, and 
I just really had a moment where I was, you know, still enough to hear myself and to pay attention and to kind of tap into those other parts of myself that weren't necessarily connected to dance. Um, and that's kind of how I found my way to where I am now, which is obviously I'll forever be a dancer. I will dance until my body can't dance anymore, which hopefully won't be for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but career wise, I'm shifting towards medicine, which I'm super excited about. That's awesome. And I have plenty more questions on that, but let me say real quick, I think that is really brave to be asking yourself those questions and being honest with yourself and trying to really listen to what the answers are and what you want, not what you should want, not what other people think you should want. And I just really admire you for that. Thank you. And I mean, it was a messy process. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's, and it's still hard. I'm not going to lie. There's still days even today that, you know, I, I, I just question it. I'm like, are you sure? Are you just, cause I think to a dance, you get this pressure of like, Oh, like you're quitting. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, you're quitting. And I think it's up. seen as such a, like a stain a failure. If someone stops yes. dancing or stops dancing in right. what we and consider the right way. Totally. And I even felt too, this kind of shame of, wow, like, all these people believed in me, mm. and all these people wanted this for me, and all these people saw me doing, you know, X, Y, Z, and I'm letting them down. Yeah. And then, in a weird way, I was like, am I letting myself down? Am I giving up on myself without even giving myself a shot? Um, but then I remembered that little clueless girl in a convention that just would fearlessly throw herself in front of things and I'm like you know I'm that's not who I am like it's not that you're not willing to try it's that you're actually listening to where you want to go which felt very different and I think it was kind of holding on for dear life to that even when I was having the tough conversations with people that maybe disagreed with my decisions or you know I there was one professor that I, you know, it had come up with, a, you know, she'd asked me if I was, like, performing this semester, and I said no, and she was asking me some questions, and, you know, long story short, I hadn't told anyone, and it had come out in that conversation, and she kind of was like, well, what a shame, what oh. a shame, um, and that was a hard pill to swallow for a moment, um, mm -hmm. because, it was kind of that fear of like, oh no, like, did I make the wrong decision? Um, but then it's, it's again, when you have to like tap back into those other parts of yourself that are speaking to you. And for me, it was like, no, like, I feel like I am one of the best people to do this because I've worked with this body for 21 years. I've worked with other bodies for 20 years. I love the body I'm fascinated by the body I think that you know 2020 has shown us for sure that wellness and health and functionality of our body optimal functionality of our body is essential to our quality of life mm -hmm. as humans individually and collectively and I was like who better to study that than 
someone who loves to learn, someone who has been trained in a way that I'm very disciplined, I'm an on-the-spot thinker, a problem solver, resilient, collaborative, innovative, you know, all these things that we learn in our dance training. And I just was like, well, to heck with that. Like, at the end of the day, this is my life. And, you know, I don't want to be miserable doing something just because I think that's what I should do or what I think people think I should do. I'm Mm going to do what I feel I can be most excited and fulfilled about and where I can, you know, contribute to society most fully. And for me, that's kind of where I've I've gotten to. Hmm. So do you know what specifically you want to go into or like what you want to study more? Yeah, I mean, I'm still definitely kind of discerning. I I haven't made like a a solidified decision yet, Um, Mm. but I'm really interested in a few different realms. Um, I'm looking at my top interest right now, which ironically with COVID is allergy and immunology, Uh um, which is the study of obviously allergies and immune system and immune deficiencies and overactive immune systems like autoimmune diseases. Um, I'm really interested in that. I'm looking at gastroenterology, um, which is also a form of dermatology. And then from a surgical standpoint, I'm considering orthopedic surgery just simply because I know all my sweet dancer friends who've had, you know, different hip surgeries and, you know, rotator cuffs and all kinds of things. And so from a surgical standpoint, if I go that route, I'm looking at orthopedics, but if I'm going more um, specialized general care and, you know, something procedural, um, I'm looking at those other three specialties. But above all of that, um, I'm, you know, going to be obtaining, hopefully, um, an MD, which is a westernized trained doctor. But I also am very passionate about Eastern medicine, which is a more holistic approach to the body, which I think is... um, honestly kind of indiscreetly taught um, as dancers Mm. that were not just these like parts that were these different systems that are very connected and it's very cause and effect and um, so I think for my personal practice as as a physician is I will be more of a functional medicine practitioner where of course I'll have my specialty and whatever that ends up being but I'm going to practice from the philosophy of a more holistic point of view and I think, too, what I'm geeking out right now, (laughs) but, um, you know, I kind of saw this correlation to movement, um, that like literally on a cellular level, movement is vital to our liveliness. Like without movement, we're dead. (laughs) I mean, to be blunt. Um, and so I was like, how interesting. And then there's so many studies about, you know, different cognitive movements. So like, you know, you think of like meditation and puzzles and, you know, different activities, reading, and then you think of physical movement, like dancing and walking and running and jumping around or whatever that may be. And there's all these different forms of movement and we're moving all the time, even when we're still, we're moving. Um, And as a dancer, that just makes me like glow. And I'm like, how incredible. And I think, you know, I'm seeing the healthcare industry so clearly. I think we all are in 2020 and the holes in the industry. And 
the changes that need to occur and the reform that needs to happen. And um, I'm really hoping to be someone that comes in with a really unique perspective to how to care for each other through our bodies and how movement and life and the holisticness of who we are and how, you know, our biography becomes our biology. Every life experience really manifests itself in our bodies and is then kind of brought to the surface in one way or another. And so I really hope to be, you know, in that group of people that can bring some change to the way we see bodies and, and treat medicine. And yeah. So eloquent. And I, I can just, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I can hear your passion and investment. I mean it's weird it's like it's so funny it's like you know I've been thinking about it a lot lately because it's one of those things where it's like the threads like I've just been thinking threads all the time lately because I had an incredible PT in New York when I was recovering from my injury who was so um, knowledgeable and versed in a lot of different things and then you know I had some issues with some autoimmune diseases and that run in my family and so I was dealing with that and working with an eastern medicine practitioner um, in New York as well who was incredible I worked with her for over a year and a half and um, I've gotten a really interesting insight into some incredible practitioners that have just inspired me um, and combined with my dance training and my fascination for the body and I mean, it's so funny. I, I one time said this, and I felt like such a nerd. I think I said it to Catherine Devine, and mm-hmm. it made me, like, hate myself for a minute, but then I was like, whatever. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know how they always say, like, space is the final frontier? Yeah. It's like, you know, like, the final. I was like, I really think bodies are. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think bodies are. I think there's so much we don't know, and I think that there's an infinite amount of possibility and variance and like so much to learn and I think if we just slow down enough as you know if we're talking specifically about medicine if you know us as practitioners slow down long enough to listen to a patient and listen to their body our bodies are so wise and their cues are so clear and I think we can live much different healthier lives if we work with the body and the mind and get rid of this whole Cartesian dualism of, you know, the separate mind and body. It's not. We're one whole living thing. Um, I think that we can be a lot healthier of a, of a world. Yeah. I, I think a big um, point in my dancing was when I started trying to think more holistically um, as opposed to me being a collection of parts, like I have hands that are attached to arms that are on my back, but it really is all the same thing. It is all connected. And I I really started thinking, I guess for the past couple of years about dance, like while I'm doing it more energetically and not like, this is my leg, I need to get my leg higher, but like, this is the line of energy through my body. I <laughs> have gotten corrections my entire life that my arms look like weak or floppy or not connected to my back. And I'm like, but they're they're on my back. I don't know what you want from me. Um, 
And it's just been a game changer to imagine like this line of energy passing through my body from like one fingertip all the way through, through my chest, out the other arm. And like same thing through your legs and your torso and your head. Yeah. No, that's totally true. I mean, if we're being like super scientific about it, like, you know, your muscles, your bones, your skin, like it's all just matter, you know? Mm. And it's truly the energy and it's truly like the aliveness of those organisms and that organ and those systems all working together that makes it. And I think as a dancer, that's also what clicked for me. And uh, there's a book I'll definitely recommend about energy medicine. And it talks Mm. about kind of this like, element that we miss a lot of the times in life and you know particularly in medicine with the energetic medicine you know and that's both like you know woo woo but it's also very true like you know if you think (laughs) about like you know there's like magnets that like stick together you like try to pull them apart and they're like like Uh those kind of magnets um like your body like the, the cells in your body have electrical exchanges and your brain is sending electrical signals. Like our nervous system, our you know central and peripheral nervous systems are made up of like electrical energetic signals. So like there's energy coursing through us constantly. And so to leave that out and to kind of, you know, just look at ourselves as like a bucket of meat almost, <laughs> um, or like a, 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 something a little nicer, but like clay um, is, is, kind of the wrong way to look at it to be honest with you because we are these dynamic living breathing things that are literally changing all the time um and so to think of it I think it's interesting to think of it in parts because I think you can really dive deep and you know like I think the intricacies of the hand are so I mean wow you can definitely look at different specific parts but if we're talking holistically you've got to be able to shift in and out kind of like zoom in and zoom out simultaneously Mm -hmm. Um, and I think as a dancer but also as a human that's just vital yeah and I'm realizing like what we're talking about uh energy specifically as it relates to dance in addition to not just being a collection of parts and being one whole thing me approaching dance that way is engaging my like mental facilities in a different way really bringing that mind and body together because I mean in anything but really in dance like it is it's so physical it's so hard on your body and it it takes a toll and it's there's muscles it's it's all of that but it also is so much how you approach it and how you think about what you're doing and if you think you're going to fail before you start like it it really is takes every single part of you it is not just a physical thing and neither is anything it's all everything we do is so affected by what we think about it right 100 percent. i actually wrote a whole paper on this because i was so you know profoundly impacted by it but I had kind of come across this, you know, a few different studies, and I kind of found this connection that our biography or, like, our life experiences, our thoughts, our beliefs, our, you know, ways of experiencing the world literally become our biology. 
And I think when we forget that or when we exclude that from the narrative is like what you said, we find this or feel this disconnect. And it's so true. Like if you're, if your thoughts are saying one thing, your body's going to manifest that, you know, and it's, it's kind of out of your control at that point. Um, and that's why, you know, it's, it's very trendy right now, but it's like, you know, positive self-talk is so important and like really digging into those kind of negative beliefs about yourself or the world, um, or just different things because it truly does affect your body. And I mean, I can talk from personal experience, but I've dealt with anxiety my whole life, but you know, more, more intensely as I've gotten older and it is it's taken quite the toll on my body. I mean, it was the trigger of a lot of the autoimmune issues that I had and Mm. still deal with and flare up. And so to me, that's what really like woke me up to the sense of, Oh my goodness, like truly our life becomes and manifests itself in our bodies. And, you know, I was taking a Gaga class one time actually. And one of the props was like, imagine brains all over your body and I found that so interesting because it's kind of true like yes you have this big you know 10 pound piece of white and gray matter in your head that is your brain for sure but there's this whole system that connects all the way from the top of your head to your pinky toenail um so you kind of do have brains all over your body and your body I think especially if you identify as an empath, which I would say I do, and I think a lot of dancers do, or um, you're very connected to your body, or you're very disconnected from your body, um, you you definitely experience that kind of full-bodied, mind-body experience of life, and it manifests itself fully. I mean, it's incredible, like, from a cellular level. Like, there's a video on YouTube you can look up where Mm -hmm. there was a scientist that did water droplets. And it sounds so, like, cuckoo. But um, (laughs) he and his, you know, lab partners would, like, speak to be or, like, say words, basically, over these water molecules um, and then crystallize them. And the ones that were, like, positive, like, you know, I can't remember exactly, and I don't want to butcher it, but, you know, the, the, good, the better things that were said to the water molecules, they crystallized and they were, like, so beautiful. And the ones that were, like, not so greatly spoken to or, or something was said or, or whatever, they were, like, like they looked nasty. Um, and I found that so interesting. Um because it's very true it you know your body's listening um because it's a part of you it's not separate from you and it's like what came first the chicken or the egg I don't think either I think it's both all at once and you're so right I think dancers I think maybe a little bit a part of our training um we a lot of the times prioritize the physical and we prioritize the body and we only use the mind as a mechanism of logic of like, oh, understanding conceptually a plie or, you know, understanding conceptually a phrase. Um, But we don't necessarily turn on the parts of our brain that inform the experience, if that makes sense. Um, And we don't
don't turn on the parts of our brain that make us human. Um, and to me, I think, you know, as a dancer and as an artist, that's the most important part is if your life experiences manifest themselves in your body and if as dancers we use our bodies we're communicating our lives and the lives before us and all of this you know we could go on and on about that um through our bodies and so that was a long tangent but basically more <laughs> of the story more of the story is your life um experiences and your biography and, and everything from the moment you were born till today, going forward, it, it truly does manifest itself in your body and, and then manifests itself somehow outwardly as well. Could you talk a little bit more specifically, maybe give another example of that? Because I know that's something we always talk about, I guess we meaning like dancers. Um, but I don't know, I have a hard time like seeing that like I, I I know that it is true because I believe the people that have told me it and I believe like the sources I'm hearing it from but then like it's not like I like I, I missed my train so I'm upset so then my arm falls off you know it's harder for me to see that clear cause and effect do you do you have any right. other like no, that makes something sense. at hand uh, for yeah. me yeah I'll use this example um so if I'm going to take you more physiologically, like a more scientific route. Like, I'd love that. So when we're stressed, right, mm -hmm. whether it's good stress, because there's good stress, right? Like you're, you know, graduating from college or you've got a new job or whatever that may be. You're in a new relationship or it's bad stress, like you're overwhelmed or you're struggling with anxiety or whatever it is, um, your body releases stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And the most common, most people have heard of is cortisol. Well, too much cortisol can be literally, like, toxic to our bodies. And if we're under chronic, constant stress, either physically, emotionally, mentally, these hormones are kind of on overdrive, and they wreak havoc on our tissues and on our cells. Mm. Um, and I'll use myself as an example. So for me, um, my anxiety got to a point where it manifested itself literally in my gut to where I developed um, a lot of GI issues and inflammation and, you know, my tissues and my gut were like sick, literally from no pathological reason, if uh -huh. that makes sense. So no bacteria or virus necessarily, but it was literally because my own body was releasing these hormones that thus were attacking my biology, if mm. that kind of makes sense. That's yeah. a very like messy way of saying it and, and super like, simple but um it's those kinds of things to where it's like you know your body on a physiological level will then affect those kind of matterous tissues and cells and bones and this that and the other hmm. thank you that does that does help see I think because like I have the dance training my interaction and my relationship with my body is mainly like muscles and bones so then I forget there's so much more going on, you know? Right. And I think a lot of dancers forget how much we engage with our nervous systems. Mm. Um, our nervous systems are largely attached to our sensory abilities. So like our sense of 
you know, obviously, like, you know, your five senses you learn in preschool, like sight, smell, taste, touch, you know, those, mm-hmm. but also, like, our proprioception, our interoception, our kinesoception, like, our ability to sense our internal landscape, our internal cues, our ability to sense ourselves in space, like, as dancers, we're engaging with this constantly, um, but something that's also, like, pretty trendy right now is the nervous system and how we have parasympathetic and sympathetic. So parasympathetic is your rest and digest, you're chilling, you're, you're chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, your body is digesting properly, the main sources of your blood are evenly distributed, um, and your, your body can do what it needs to do. Now, when you flip into sympathetic, it's kind of the whole like caveman mentality where it's like a tiger's chasing you. And so your body flips off into kind of a, a flight, fight, or freeze response mm-hmm. um, to where then your blood goes to your extremities so that you are ready to flee or to fight. And your, your heart might start racing or you sweat a little bit more or you can't think as clearly or you know, your eyes dilate, it's, it's this whole process, you know, physically that happens. And I think a lot of humans, um, but a lot of dancers, um, it takes them a while to recognize that and maybe recognize some dysregulation in their nervous systems or to um, neglect like nervous system care, which is really important because I think, you know, even if we just think about this year, I would say a lot of the world has been in a sympathetic nervous system response because there is a threat, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's COVID, there's, you know, a lot of people are unemployed. You don't know what's happening in the world. Um, In the United States politically, it's been really challenging. Um, Just there's a lot of uncertainty. And so our bodies are kind of on that hyper vigilant, you know, fight, light or freeze response which is that sympathetic nervous system which takes a lot of energy and releases a lot of those chemicals that I was talking about earlier that um, can really wreak havoc on our body if distributed long term Um, so long story short again geeking out but um, yeah I think a lot of dancers forget that we're engaging um, very intensely and deeply with our nervous systems and we're very in tune with it and I think that's why we're very spatially aware the phrase nervous system care can you tell me more about that what does that mean what does that look like how can I do it yeah yeah so honestly and I feel like you will relate to this like sometimes I think we just think things are so much more complex than they actually are mm-hmm. or we would like them to be um but <laughs> honestly it's really simple um so a few things you can do for your nervous system number one breathing 
Mm. <laughs> um, and when I say breathe in, I don't mean just like, oh, like make sure you're breathing because that is like an involuntary response, but like intentionally breathe. And there's, you know, you can look up breathing exercises online. Um, but some of my favorites are like deep belly breathing where you like really fill your belly up with air and you just let it go. There's also a thing called box breathing where you like mm. breathe in for four hold for four you breathe out for four you hold for four and you just keep doing that Mm -hmm. basically that's signaling to your body that you know we're calm we're safe there is no danger it's slowing that whole sympathetic signal down um another thing is taking care of yourself like nutritionally hydrating having a well-balanced diet making sure you're meeting all your nutritional needs because anytime your body um is in any form of deprivation, it's going to feel in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another really good way to regulate and care for that um, nervous system. Um, and then once you get a bit more regulated, a good practice to incorporate is um, somatic movements, you know, like yoga, meditation, uh, kind of more like Tai Chi, Qigong. Um, those are some of my favorites. Um, just some of these kind of mindful movements that can really help bring the body and the mind down and connected and together and and cue your body into this parasympathetic space to where you're in the moment, you're present, and your body is calm and regulated. Hmm. Nice. (laughs) So seeing you post I think a few times that you're going to Beham Baham can you please tell me what that is because I I don't know what it is and I just keep imagining you know like Emerald Lagasse like the celebrity chef his thing is like shouting bam and I'm like surely she's not going to Emerald Lagasse is that his name do you know <laughs> I don't know I don't know but I, I know what you're referring to but I don't know it's Emerald yeah, for I damn sure <laughs> yeah so Beham for all those out there is like kind of like the initials or like the nickname for Birmingham, Alabama. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <so> <laughs> I'm, I'm back home and um, I'm finishing my last semester of my BFA remotely here um, while also working. Hopefully um, I have a few more kind of hoops to jump through, but a specialty clinic here for um, pelvic health rehabilitation and Mm. lymphedema, um, which I'm really looking forward to getting some, hopefully, experience in that, and also finishing up a few kind of med school prereqs and prepping for the MCAT, so that'll be about a year-long process because I need to do some research and some publishing and some volunteering to... um, make myself a a good applicant for med school so then I'll be off to med school I don't necessarily know for sure where I want to go yet um there's a school of medicine here in Birmingham that's um highly ranked um that I would love to attend especially because they're known for allergy and immunology so we will see I might end up in Birmingham but also with medical school and residency and fellowship you have like three different opportunities over like an eight to ten year period to move so I hope to kind of be a little bit all over the place so we'll see nice see I was thinking Beham was initials like of a school you were already set to go to and I was like that is really fast because I have a friend from home uh 
who spent like a year studying for the MCAT doing all that and she like just started getting like med school acceptances and is going to for the next like three four months and I'm like how did Claire do this so quickly what's going on I'm adopting I'm adopting the motto slow and steady opportunities and hopefully some publishing opportunities and really make sure um and find my place in in medicine and, and where I best fit and where I best can serve um the community and the world and all those great things um so I'm in no rush but um I hope to be in medical school within the next year and a half two years that's good see I don't want my medical professionals to be in a rush personally <laughs> I know right I mean I it was so funny I was with my brother, um, you know, because he's been trying to convince me to be a, a PT. Uh-huh. It's a bit of a shorter, shorter educational pursuit. Um, which PTs are great and lovely. And I love, love PTs. Have had great experience and very thankful for the PTs I've had. Um, but I had that moment with him with, when I was like, "Bro, you know, we live in a capitalist society. Like, we are all going to be working for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the rush is." like I'd rather take my time and you know I think too um you know and this is this is me being a little um bluntly honest on this lovely podcast with you but I think for me I've been a runner most of my life like Mm -hmm. literally um to where I've kind of just raced to get to the next thing and go 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 and and do 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 and um I think I've been able to do a lot, which I'm grateful for, but I've also missed out on a lot. Um, And so I'm kind of trying this time around to take my time and be able to really be present and absorb much more and experience life much more deeply. And um, as a medical professional one day, hopefully um, that will serve me and the people that I have the honor to work with. Have you read The Power of Now? I haven't, but everyone tells me I should, so I need to. Mm. It's good. It sounds like you have. <laughs> oh, does it? Does it? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You're not using the I specific didn't... lingo, but the energy oh, okay. is there. Like, savoring the present moment, because all there is is the present moment, nothing else is real, right. blah, blah, blah. You know. Mm-hmm. I love no, the book. I, I say blah, blah, blah. I'm very invested in it. It's... Blah, blah, blah. No, I love that, <laughs> it gave everyone the opportunity it gave a lot more people yeah, the opportunity yeah, it did give everyone i will say healthcare 
workers, absolutely not. But yeah. um, those of us that have the luxury of being at home um, or quarantined did have, you know, the opportunity to slow down and to maybe think about, you know, a little bit more presence and, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the greatest thing, what's the greatest lesson you've learned about dance? That's a big question. <laughs> oh, no. It can just be a good lesson. Let's take the pressure right. off. you've learned about yourself through college through the pandemic through this pivot anything like that oh um I think oh that's a good question too um I think what I've I've kind of been thinking a lot about lately kind of circling all the way back to the beginning um earlier you had mentioned it but you know this this notion that you know, at the end of the day, like, you know yourself best, and, mm. you know, that is a journey, I will say that, um, and I think it's a lifelong journey, and I think it's also, like, hard to, like, quantify it, because we're constantly evolving, and changing, and growing, and learning, and, you know, shifting, um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, the biggest lesson I've learned through quarantine and, and through college has been to get to know myself and mm-hmm. to really listen because at the end of the day I could ask a million people and take a poll on Instagram and you know get everyone's opinions but at the end of the day I have to go to sleep at night or look in the mirror and recognize myself and the life that I'm living um, and so yeah yeah, I'll, I'll never forget in one of my uh, ballet conferences. At the Mount, we have, like, semester conferences with all your teachers. Um, and one of my ballet teachers was like, I don't feel like I see you in this ballet class. Like, who is Anna? And I was like, what? I was like, excuse me? <laughs> How here. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, number one, I don't know who I am. I'm, like, 19. Um, I say that as if I've, I figured it out now at 22. I don't know. I don't know. No. Hard yeah, question. I don't think you ever know. A rude I question, that's, honestly. That's, that's such a construct. Like, let's just, like, go ahead and bash that. Like, there is no there, 
for anyone out there that thinks like, oh, I'll be happy when I get there, or I'll know myself, like I can define myself in one sentence. I don't, I don't believe that to be true, and you can totally disagree um, with me. I love, I love, you know, disagreement because I think that that makes everyone grow. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I don't think you, you can know. But and that's why I think it's a journey, and it's like kind of what you said, uh, this whole presence of now thing of, you know, being so in touch and in your body and and in the world and in the moment to where you know yourself enough to make the decisions or the shifts or the choices that you have to make in the moment that reflect who you are in that moment. Yeah, no, I, one of our, another professor at our school, Elizabeth Motley, ugh, dream. Ah. Um, in our dance composition, a choreography class, three class, um, we had to make artist statements and she basically told us like, this doesn't have to be your statement for forever. It's your statement for right this second. It can change every day. It can change every week. And that was such like a weight off my shoulders to not to just take the pressure off. I don't have to write down who I am as an artist, everything I'm interested in, and hold on to it forever because I don't know. That's too big a question. Same as asking, who am I? I don't know. It's different every day. It's constantly changing. And that's fine. And I'd like to add, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to get all of that into an adagio or a PK turn. That's just me. I... (laughs) It's a big ask. <laughs> I know, and that's why I think it, I think honestly, like, you know, to, to really, like, you know, make it super, super simple when it's really super not simple. It's actually super complex, but I think it's, it's authenticity, you know, if that even exists, in the moment, and it's presence in the moment. It's like, okay, this is who I am in a PK turn at, you know, 321 today. Yeah. That is it, you know, and I think that that takes that um, presence, you know, and that takes that connection to, to yourself and on a physical level, on an energetic level on, you know, I think there's so many dimensions and I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway is like, we are these physical things, but we're energetic. We're emotionally connected. We have an insane intellect. We have, you know, these like spatial connections, like we're just so, multifaceted that it, it is too big of a question to be like who are you in this eight count phrase you yeah. know it's like that that's gonna change that's gonna change and I, I think it should um because I think another lesson is everything is temporary you know mm-hmm. nothing nothing is you know solid nothing is like you know yours to hold on to forever and I think that letting go um is really important um for a lot of reasons I think but yeah, and I'm, I'm realizing just in this conversation that I, I'd say a lot of dance training, definitely mine, strives for consistency. Like you always want to be able to meet this technique level or like do this choreography and just like really crush it. You want to be able to do that every single day, which I don't think leaves a lot of room for me to be constantly growing and changing. Or maybe it does. Maybe this is just how I viewed it in my experience. Um, But if I'm always supposed to be able to, like, hit my PK arabesque and hold it for five seconds, like, that's not who I am every day. 
Right. So that's just. Oh, that's interesting. That's you know? interesting because kind of what, yeah, no, because what popped in my head as you were saying that was I was like, you know what? Like, at least for me, I think that you can be consistent and evolve simultaneously. No, I think sense. there is a way to do that. And I need to bring that awareness to it and allow it right. myself to be consistent in different ways and bringing different mm-hmm. things to it. Totally. Because, you know, I'm thinking more on, like, a, a humanistic level, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I can be consistent as, you know, consistent as a human can be, because naturally we are inconsistent, because, you know, we are changing all the time, things are shifting all the time, in our bodies, in our environments, in the world, like, it's, there's so many variables, like, you can't be this one thing all the time, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, the air molecules around you are moving all the time. Like it's it's just impossible to be these like carbon copies of anything. Um, nothing is ever the same every time. Like mm-hmm. unless you're like in a factory or something. The water's always changing, always flowing. Right. So. But people. I. Agree. I guess can't live like that. I agree. That's all I'll say. No, we can't live like that. <laughs> and so I think like, you know, from maybe a more like characteristic standpoint, like you know, for me. Um, I think the same ballet teacher you were talking about, our ballet professor, mm-hmm. um, you know, she and I talked a lot about integrity because I really had a, an issue with the word authentic uh-huh. because I was like, you know, I feel like that's so subjective, you know, mm-hmm. like how do you, how do you, what's authentic to me might not be authentic to you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we kind of switched the language and talked more about integrity, uh-huh. um, and for me, at least, that really that really shifted things for me. Like as a person, as a as a dancer, you know, in in all different you know facets of my life, like how are how can you be of integrity in what you do, which I think gives more space for that you know variance and for that you know evolution and change. Because does that make sense? I don't yeah. know. I'm kind of just jab- yeah. jabbering. I'm I'm right with you. I love it. I love it. I guess we haven't really like put a bow on anything. We've we've meandered a lot, and I feel like we're coming to a nice close. So let's do that. Really, like had a lovely conversation, and I think no, you're so right. I think yeah, I think life is a wild ride, and I think humans are the most incredible things and I think it's such an honor to um be dancers and movers and to have this kind of embodied way of living and it definitely has its pros and cons and um you know nothing I don't think anything in the world is is perfect and all good but um yeah I think it's it's been a really lovely conversation, and I love catching up with you, too. Yeah, and I, most importantly, I think even more than it is an honor to dance, it's an honor to be on my podcast. Um, so you're welcome for that. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, I, honestly, for all those out there listening, I don't know who listens to this, but I do. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, Anna and I were joking because I literally was like, I, like, posted something on my Instagram story that was, like, someone had asked me, like, what are my, some of my favorite podcasts, and I, like, listed some, but I, like, am obsessed with podcasts. I love podcasts. <laughs> um, and, and Anna had messaged me and was like, yo, you want to come on my podcast? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, 
this was on my bucket list. It would be my <laughs> honor. It would be my honor. It would be a dream come true to be on a podcast and have a conversation with you. That's so funny. I feel like whenever I ask one of my friends if they want to come on my podcast, they've just been like, I've been dying. I've been waiting. And I'm like, you could have asked me. Like, what What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, you can just come up to me. And only one person has done it. Like, Millie was like, I want to be on your podcast Tuesday. And I was like, done. Was We're doing it. One. Oh, thank oh you. <laughs> that was such a good one. Uh. <laughs> I love that. And I also loved Eilish's because I just love Eilish and her voice is so calming to me. Yeah. That was shout a shout out to Eilish. Shout out to Eilish. Um I I love talking with my friends and peers about yeah. about everything, about dance and about just coming in with a very loose set of questions and here's the ride we took. Right. One hundred percent. And I think too, like it comes back to like my my biggest dance life takeaway is like I think it all comes back and obviously this is super biased because you know I grew up as a dancer and that's all I've known for a very long time but um in a weird way it all comes back to the body you know um and it's our connection to ourselves and to each other and to the world and um we need to take good care of it and good care of each other so take care everyone (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ugh. So, do you have a recommendation for us? Oh, Anna, do I have some recommendations <laughs> for you? I prepared for this. Um, well, I had you had me think of one on the spot, so I'll go with that one first okay. before I forget it. But there's a great book called Energy Medicine mm-hmm. by Dr. Jill Blakeway. She's um, an incredible um, Eastern medicine practitioner um, who's done a lot of research um she's from the uk she's in new york now um she is incredible so take a read she also is on some podcasts mm-hmm. talking about the book so if you don't want to like read the book um you can listen to you know her philosophies and her theories and things like that on some various podcasts just look up joe blakeway um and then another book that i'm actually in the middle of right now so i can't give you too much info or spoilers but i'm currently reading the body keeps the score um, i have heard dr. about that one. Oh, so good by dr bessel van der Kolk. and it's basically what we were talking about earlier how you know your experiences and your biography become your biology um this book is definitely written from kind of a more um basis on on trauma Mm -hmm. um but you can take you can get the gist and you can conceptualize a lot of um so far at least I've been able to conceptualize a lot of it um in terms of this connection between how our body you know absorbs life and how connected it is to our experiences and the circuitry in our brain and how that becomes this big feedback loop and um yeah that's another really great one. Nice. I want to read that one. I should probably just buy it, because I think it's, like, on hold out the wazoo at the library. <laughs> no, probably. I know. A lot of people are reading it right now. I think I got mine. Um, I don't know when I got mine. Was. I don't know where I got mine, but um, <laughs> it's a really great book. And then I also recommend, if you've never seen Revelations by the Alvin Ailey Company on YouTube, please go watch. I'm obsessed with it. Um, that's my, that's my other recommendation. I love 
I love modern dance. I did a Cunningham class yesterday. I <laughs> I did like a Parsons modern class today and ugh. You're living the dream. You're I love it. And let me be clear, dear listener, I've danced so little, okay? This is an outlier, but I don't know. I'm trying to come back to it not because I have to, because I have, like, 8 a.m. modern or whatever, but because I want to, and it's enriching, and coming at it not actively critiquing myself for everything I do, but just enjoying it, enjoying the experience, contacting with my body. There's a lot lot going on. Um, (laughs) That's what it's all about. That's that was my process post um, injury and it sounds like you're having a similar process with you know connecting with it from a very like enriching joyful of service place rather than Mm -hmm. this like obligation um and same I have not danced since the summer um and I'm about to go into jazz too lol because (laughs) we have to take we have to take jazz to graduate and let me tell you all I have not taken jazz since high school and I've not danced in heels ever and there's apparently seven people in this class and I did not take jazz one but it didn't fit in my schedule so the chair of our department put me in jazz two even though there was this whole scandal about some people like not being approved for jazz two so long story short this could be a really terrorizing experience for me but I also have a three-hour improv two course with Queen Mott's um, that sounds so I'm awesome. looking forward to that. So, you know, if the jazz thing is scarring, at least I can dance it out on Friday afternoons for three hours. So <laughs> I'll yeah. keep you posted. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to watch you sprain an ankle in a layout, you know? That's tough. All your little squares are going to be so big. (laughs) Literally, I'm going to be standing in the very back of the studio with, like, my camera tilted up. That's my All the Zoom Zoom hacks for to pass this class. You should be like, oh, I don't have a camera on my phone. What? My camera is just, like, really weirdly shaped to where you can only really see the ceiling and my hand. Yeah. And my forehead. (laughs) That's all I can offer. Um, so happy scamming next semester. Um, (laughs) my recommendation for the week, uh, this song, it's called Final Peace by Susie Jones. That's Susie, S-U-Z-Y. Um, I don't know how I found it. I think it just, Spotify was like, for you. And I said, thank you very much. And it's just such a fun song. There's like a deepness to it, a groove. It's very in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? Very. (laughs) That rhythm and sound for me. I know. (laughs) Just, like, you listen to it, and it steals the show. Like, I want to stop everything I'm doing and just really listen and, like, bounce around and just groove for the next three minutes. It's great. I love it. Final Piece by Susie Jones. Very good. Susie with a Z-Y. With a (laughs) Z-Y. With a Z-Y. So, I mean, any final words before we part? I mean, just thank you for having me. This has been (laughs) so much fun. And I think to all your incredible listeners out there, just be well, stay safe, wear your masks. And 
uh, take good care of yourself and the people around you. Absolutely. It's been a blast and an honor. Thank you so much for talking to me. This was so fun. And as my little advice, everyone, just be nicer to yourselves. Be nicer to yourself. Be nicer to other people. It's not selfish to take care of yourself because it makes you more able to take care of everyone else and be there for people. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No, I had a wonderful (laughs) um, quote from a therapist one time um, recently that she said, you can't find your peace if you're trying to make peace everywhere else. Mm. Nice. So, be kind. Start with yourself. You gotta start with yourself. Your cells will thank you because they will respond to wrap it all up. Well, this was a blast and a half. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Anna. This has been so fun, and I love you so much. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye!